What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Next Level Freedom Church podcast. My name is Trenton Cruz. I'm the lead pastor of Next Level Freedom Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're seeking a church family that can help you grow in your relationship with Christ, or maybe you just want to check us out online, be sure to check out our website, www.nextlevelfreedomchurch.com. I hope today's episode will inspire you and encourage you as you fulfill the destiny God has for your life and fulfill your divine purpose in God's master plan. Thanks for tuning and God bless. Aren't you glad that you were that one that Jesus keeps coming back for? Man, I was just thinking about that the whole time. I am so glad that he keeps coming back for me because I just keep being human at times and he just keeps coming back for me. And that'll, that'll tear you up, I'm telling you. Well, welcome our, to our online audience out there. I'm Brett, the associate pastor here at Next Level Freedom Church. Thank you so much for tuning in. We invite you to join us at 1225 Old Cape Road here in Jackson, Missouri. It's good to see you guys tonight. I love Wednesdays. Do you know that Wednesday morning at 4 a.m., I don't love Wednesdays? <laughs> And I'm like, oh, it's going to be such a long day. I got work, then I got church. And then I'm like, about 6, 7 o'clock when I'm at work and I'm, I'm kind of in the swing of things, I'm like, oh, I got church tonight. It's like my attitude completely changes. It's just I'm not a morning person. So if you're a morning person, praise God, but I am not one. <laughs> but I thank God for my day job because I worked nights for 12 years and that took up a lot of time. But Well, anyway, tonight we're going to continue and we're going to talk about unity. I'm not sure how long this is going to go. This may be one week or two weeks. We'll see what the Lord does. But what's the definition of unity? I had to look this up because I wanted the, I guess, the Webster's definition. It's the state of being united or joined as a whole. I mean, we pretty much knew that, right? But, you know, I was like, well, I'll look it up and see what it says. You know, one of the major problems that I think church is facing today is that there's no, we're not united. And it's funny because, you know, you've got the United Church of this or that or the other thing, and it's like there's 12 branches off of that. (laughs) It's like you're not united. You know, Jesus, whenever he built, you know, when he put the church in motion, and we see the early church in Acts, which we're going to talk about tonight a little bit, but this is not what he had planned for it. Amen? may have to get a cough drop, but this is not what it's supposed to look like. We're branched off in every direction known to man. There's no unity in the church. Now we can say, well, our church is united and that's good. I think there are some churches out there that can look around their church and they could say, we're united for a common goal. Amen. But The church was never meant to be split up into all of these different divisions. Now, you can have, there's one church that says it's the first church, which I would beg to differ with, that being the Catholic church. But from there, what happened? Well, the Reformation happened. Why did the Reformation happen? Because somebody, well, there was a number of people, but started pointing out things that weren't right. 
So what happened was it broke off, and then it broke off, and then it broke off. And somebody got a new idea, maybe got a new revelation from the scripture, and then they broke off. And before you know it, now we've got thousands of denominations and hundreds of cults, all because a lack of unity. So to bring the body of Christ together to reach a common goal should be one of our main points, right? Should be the, should, That's one of the main goals of Next Level Freedom Church, right, Pastor Trenton, is unity, to unite people. Now, there's certain things that we can never waver on, right? It's easier said than done to say, we're going to unify the whole church. That's only going to happen when Jesus comes back. Amen? That's when that is going to happen. It's a great goal of ours to say we're going to unite the body of Christ because I believe we can to an extent. But see, the problem is, is man always gets involved. Man always has to put their two cents in, right? You ever, you ever been a part? Okay, just say, go go back in your past. You ever been a part of a church that was wanting to do something with another church, and the two churches were fighting over who was going to be in charge? <coughs> well, if you haven't, that's a good thing. But it happens. I want to be in charge. Well, we should have it at our church. No, we should have it at our church. Well, maybe we should do this and do that. and do, Back and forth, back and forth, fighting and fighting and fighting. The goal that we need to get to is Jesus. Right? We shouldn't be fighting over whose church we have it at or, you know, because what ends up happening is, well, we want these people to come to our church after this thing is all said and done. It shouldn't be about getting church members. It never should. But, I mean, that that's a good thing that comes out of it, yes, but the goal should be to get them to know Christ, regardless of where they go to church. And I really hope that here at Next Level Freedom Church, that's our goal, is to get them saved, to get them to know the King. So I really hope that in 2024, we can unite as a body of Christ, because until we do, the disconnect will always cause more division. You understand? As long as we're disconnected as a body of Christ, the world is never going to see Christ the way that they should. They see infighting. They see us not living like we should because that's not unity. There's no unity in the church. The world is chaos, so why would they're already in chaos? Why would they want to come into religious chaos? Think about it. Because if you're not in unity, then you're not truly, truly in Christ in that place, in that place that you're in. It's just chaos. It's religious chaos. And that's what we've got to stay away from. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 10. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm coughing. Amen. I don't receive it. I don't receive the cough. It's gone in Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers... By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. In order for this church to help unite the church, we have to unite this church. So let me read it again. In order for this church to help unite the church, we have to unite this church. Guys, we have to all be in one accord here. Amen. We have to all be in one accord. We have to all be, find that unity. Are we always going to agree? 
On the little things, we don't have to. For the common good, we have to. And there may have to be times where we're just like, the majority sees it this way. Lord, if I'm in the wrong, show me. And we go with it. We have to, we have to be willing to trust that the Lord knows what he's doing. And that we're not always going to be in absolute agreement on everything, but we can agree that we want this church to succeed, right? And we can agree that we want this church, we want to, we want to get souls saved. We want to see healings take place. We want to see miracles take place. We want to get people fed and clothed and all of these things that we can do as we grow. I mean, we can do it on smaller scales, but then as we grow, if we stay in that unity, we'll do it on larger scales. That's the point. If there's no unity, this church don't grow. We stay the way that we are, or we fizzle out. I've seen it happen. I'm not going to drop names of places, but I've, I've watched things happen over a period of years in a church where people left from 100 people down to 15, 20 people. Just... I've watched it take place. And I've watched people get mad and say, well, I don't like this. I'm leaving and yada, yada. I mean, all of these things. The unity wasn't there. The unity is something that we have got to get to. And I really want to press this in because it's something I've been thinking about so much is just we, we got to get along. <laughs> Can't we all just get along, right? We've got to be able to get along regardless some people may not like my personality. I may not like other things about other people, but we learn to love each other. We learn to, to and, and as you do that in Christ, you learn to just love that person. You don't have to like everything about everybody. You know that? There's, 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 that, there's lies out there where you have to, if you're a Christian, you have to like everything about everybody. Like, oh, I got some repenting to do then. It's not easy. You're not going to like everything about everybody, but Christ helps us to love everybody. He helps us to see the value in everybody. And he humbles us and shows us, hey, you ain't perfect either. And what they're going through, you may not like what's in them. That that may clash completely with your whole uh, personality and everything. But I've got them that way for a reason. And I've got you for a reason, the way that you are. We've got to be able to understand that. And when we do, we can unify. Anybody following me yet? All right. I'm just, I hope I'm not just rambling. We have to be united as one, all in one accord. And all churches work differently. They are not the same, right? So the church down the street, wherever, is not going to work the way Next Level Freedom Church works. But that does not mean that we cannot work with them. You understand that? Now, we have to have a common goal. We can't be like, oh, the Jehovah Witness Church down the street wants us to come over for supper. Well, that might be a good witnessing opportunity, but I'm not going to work with them to lead people to Christ because they don't believe what we believe. They don't believe the same things that we believe. The next level is it's not we're not going to do it the same as other churches. That's been prophesied over this place time and time again. Different people, different events. It's just we're seeing it take place. God's going to use this church way differently than he uses other churches. And that's okay because they've got their place in the kingdom and we've got our place. But that doesn't mean that we can't come together for the common good. 
We got to unite. We got to figure out how we can unite with other churches. Now, let's bring it in-house. We're talking about Next Level Freedom Church right here for now. And I'm so sorry I'm rolling this cough drop around, but it's working. It's working. I haven't coughed. Amen. Well, maybe it's just Jesus. We prayed. So when you become a leader in Next Level Freedom Church, there is a covenant that is signed. We sign a leadership covenant. And that says, I will do the things that are expected of me. Right? I signed it. I know some of you other leaders have signed that covenant. There are certain things that's expected of leadership that's not necessarily expected of uh, members or just people that come, come to church, okay? So there's things that I have to do that somebody that walks through those doors don't may not necessarily have to do, okay? Now, if all the leaders will do all of those things, like, number one, we're supposed to be here half hour to an hour early, right? Uh, we're supposed to be tithing to our church and a, n- a number of other things. Those are things that are required of me. I have to do what is required of me. One, because if God has placed me here, then I am to honor what God has done. God says, I want you here. I need to honor him. So that means that whatever Pastor Trenton has gotten from God, put in that leadership covenant. If God has called me here, then I am to do everything I can to fulfill my role as associate pastor of this church. If I do that, I have unity between me and God and me and Pastor Trenton. Now, if the other leaders will do the same thing, if the other leaders say, I will do everything that is required of me in this leadership covenant, whether you agree 100% or not, and here's a little side story. When Trenton asked me to be... On his board, he brought me some papers. Now, this wasn't the leadership covenant. Some of it wasn't. But I'm reading through these papers, and I'm like, don't like that. Don't know about that. Wait a minute. Hey, Pastor Trent, we need to talk about this. But you know what I did? And this this is really, I think, what Pastor, uh, Pastor Trent, this is what started the process of me coming to the next level was we talked about those things, and I began to seek God for some of those things, about the Holy Spirit and different things. And I began to understand them. They began to make sense to me. You see, when you're called to be here, and you're called to be in covenant here with this church, with this place, God will begin to show you the way things run and why the things are supposed to be the way that they are here. You'll come in agreement with those things. And as you come in agreement with those things, if we have unity, y'all follow me, if we have unity first amongst the leadership of this house, guess what's going to happen? That's going to trickle down onto the congregation, onto the church members, and I'm talking everything from the people that clean to the people that serve coffee, greet at the door, whatever it is. It's going to trickle down. The, 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 The unity will trickle down. Because you guys will look at us and you will respect us for what we do. And we will, in return, love you guys the way Christ has told us to love you. 
and you guys will pray for us, and we will pray for you. You guys are supposed to hold us accountable, and we're supposed to hold each other accountable, and we will help hold you accountable. If we do all of that, guess what's going to happen in this house? We're going to have unity. But we have to follow after the things that God has said for this house. This house. Because we're not any other house. We're Next Level Freedom Church. Amen. We can't do it the same way that the Baptist church does it or the Pentecostal church does it or any non-denominational church. We have to do it the way God has called us to do it here. All it takes is one to ruin the recipe. You understand that? Where I'm going with this is that we have to, we need to be in tune with our unity. Now, we're not always all going to get it right all the time. Amen. But we have to be watching for the one that's either in-house sometimes, it happens, or the one that walks through the door and wants to destroy the unity. Because the enemy's looking for a way in. If he can destroy the unity in this house, then we can never unify with another house in any way. Now, we may never come in full agreement with some of these other churches, but we can agree upon Jesus crucified and Jesus risen from the dead. Amen. If we can agree upon those things, we can come into unity. Because if these other churches want to come in and say, we have to run it, we have to do all of these things, we have to be in charge. It's not about that. It's about Jesus crucified and Jesus rose from the dead. It's about showing people who Christ is, setting them free, letting them find salvation. I want to see, and I'm look, I'm not getting on anybody. I'm not saying that we don't have unity in the house. I'm saying that it's a fragile thing that we must protect. And we need to build upon it and we need to grow it. We cannot just sit back and say, we're good. What happens when you sit back and say, we're good? Devil going to creep in, stab you right in the back. Because you, you put your guard down. You stop paying attention. Look, I, I believe in the leadership covenant that I signed. And I, I was trying to find it. I Trenton said, well, you have it at home. And then I forgot to look like a ding dong. But then I looked back here and I couldn't find it. But I believe in that leadership covenant. Because it's something that I signed that says, yes, I will do everything possible for this house to grow. And when we sign that leaders and when in future leaders, if you're out there and you sign that, that's important. And congregational uh, members that are sitting out there right now, it's just as you're just as important as all of the leadership. We've been called to leadership, but you've been called to be here. You help hold us accountable. Second Corinthians 13 verse 11. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration. Comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And I want to add, and I'm not adding to scripture, this is just Brett's thoughts. Don't be afraid to stand in correction. Let me tell the story about Pastor Brett. I was ordained at uh I may have been Covenant Christian Center at the time. I think it was. It's Covenant Life Church now. It's the church I was in for 17 years, I believe. 
I was ordained over there 2012. So y'all do the math. Anyway, I remember a time, and I don't remember what I said, but we were all doing some greeting, kind of like we do here. And I was talking to the pastor, and there was a group of people around. And he said something, and I popped something off like that, just just let it out. And I just kept going, and he looks at me, and he goes, stop. And I just kept saying it. He goes, stop. We will talk about this later. And I was like, oh, I felt it. We got about that tall, right? Because here he is correcting me quietly, and I'm being dumb. Because I'm like, correct me. I know what I said was right. I was right. I don't need correction. (laughs) But I got corrected. We never talked about it. I went home, and I went to my spot down in the basement. And I said, Lord, I'm right. If I'm wrong, show me. About two seconds later, my heart sunk down (laughs) into my chest, and I realized what I'd done. I spoke out of turn. I spoke down to my pastor in front of uh, quite a few of the congregation. I disrespected him and spoke down to him. Now, in a private place, what I said could have been argued out and taken in in a different direction. But what I did was I disrespected the pastor in front of most of the congregation. I had to call the pastor... Y'all know how hard this is? Anybody ever have to do something like this? I had to call the pastor, and I had to apologize for what I'd done. You see, what I, why I say this is because we cannot be afraid to stand in correction. Because, number one, it keeps the unity in the church, and it grows you spiritually. Now, I'm not talking about the times where you can argue it out right or wrong. I'm talking about the times when you go to God and you were wrong. If that's the case, you need to apologize to whoever it was you did it to, whether, you know, any of the leadership or somebody in the church. It's okay to stand in correction if someone says, hey, we can talk about this later, or you shouldn't have said this, yada, yada, yada. We need that. To grow this church, we need that. Learn from each other, but do it in love. Anybody ever learned from somebody you didn't want to learn from because they made you learn it, got all up in your face and tried to teach it to you, and you're like, whoa. You go to somebody, go to them in love. Show them. Tell them what they did wrong, but show them in love. Show them a better way. We got to be able to do that in this house because as we grow and we get more and more and more members, there's going to be things pop up. It's going to be harder to keep that unity. That's why we've got to practice it now. And we've got to be able to go to people when we have to, to keep that unity. Hey, you said something that was kind of offensive to me, and I think we need to talk about it. Do that. Some people are going to be like, well, I don't care if I offended you or not. But as long as you do what is required of you, what God is calling you to do, he's going to work this out. He'll work the situation out. Amen? And the reason I'm saying it is because we are not always going to be a smaller congregation. We are going to grow. We are going to flourish, and we're going to stand in unity, and we're going to do things because we stand in unity. I really believe people's going to say, what's going on at that place down there? There's cars in the parking lot all the time. 
and they're going to come in and they're going to see us holding hands doing circle prayer with 200 people in the congregation. They're going to see us standing in unity and standing up for each other and loving on each other and holding and hugging and doing all of the stuff that a lot of people are scared to do right now. They're going to see us standing in unity, and that's why we have got to practice. Our example of unity, I believe, is found in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, and we got a lot of reading. Verse Starting verse 32. Now the, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. <clears throat> and with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as they had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Let's go back to 32. We're going to break them down a little bit. Okay. Let's look at uh, verse 32, and let's see this where do I want to start this. Go to the part where it says, And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Amen? We've got possessions, don't we? Back when the early church started, they brought everything they had. Because they knew that it was going to take all of them. Verse 33, it says, And with great power the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Because of what was being done, the apostles were able to preach and to teach and to do the things that they needed to do, right? And the early church, they had a lot of problems rise up that they had to answer because they were building a church. Kind of like what we're doing. We're building a church, and we're going to have problems rise up. And there's going to be things that we've got to deal with, things that we have to answer, problems that we got to fix that we've never came across before. Anybody built a church in here? I've never done it. Pastor Trenton's never done it. But you know what? Pastor Trenton needs each and every one of us to make this thing happen. Standing in unity. And this is just the same right here with the apostles. They needed everybody doing their part. They needed people, somebody said, I'm going to sell my land and I'm going to give the money so that we can put this towards the work. And, hey, I'm going to bring this. Maybe this will help farm the land here so we can grow some crops. And, hey, I'm going to bring this and so on and so on and so on. Everybody gave everything that they had. Verse 34, and there was not a needy person among them. Now, they lived in a different time. Amen. As long as they had food and a place to sleep and a lot of, you know, they were good. Our society has definitely changed, but the point is the same. Our love for each other should be so strong that when people come in here and they have needs, we ought to be able to try to supply those needs and meet them, whether that's a spiritual need, a physical need, an emotional need, whatever it is. That's what this house is supposed to be. Financially. We are to be able to have enough money. I'm just going to say it. But we are to be able to have enough money to help somebody that is in need. But you know what that takes? It takes money. 
It takes tithers. It takes offerings. It takes gifts. That's how we are able to feed the community. That's how we're able to do things and keep the lights on and open the church. It takes tithes. It takes money. Pray pray for some tithers to come into the church. Amen. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not saying that we're trying to get rich. I'm saying we're trying to build a church. Amen. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And if we want to have a church that doesn't have any needs, come on. We've all got to give. This is what we have to do. What was that? Verse 34. Uh, let me read verse 34. We'll move on into 35. But there was not a needy person among them, for as many were owners of lands and houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what they had sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. They sold everything they had, everything, to come and follow what the apostles were doing because they, had, they believed in Jesus. They believed in the movement that much. We've got to be willing, and I'm not telling you to sell your house, but what I'm saying is this, is that we need to be willing to do whatever is required of us whatever is asked of us as a church in the leadership and in the congregation when pastor trenton gets up here or i get up here or somebody else and says this is a need in the church we need to be doing what we can to fill that need and i know it's not always easy because we're a small church and and money's tight right now in a lot of places i mean Look, I'm not making excuses, but the economy is not the best, and money is tight for a lot of people. But God is a big God, and God can give you back what you sow. I'm learning that the hard way. That's how I learn things, the hard way, all the time. <laughs> you think I'd learn, but I don't. <laughs> God's a good God, though, amen? And if he wants to accomplish something here at Next Level Freedom Church, he's going to use He's using us. And he's teaching all of us something as we go along this thing. I'm learning stuff every week. I ha- Look, I'm not going to lie about myself. I have, I have highs and I have lows. And a lot of that time is because I'm down here in the dumps and all of a sudden God starts to teach me something. And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to teach you something, Brett. And I back up here. It's hard sometimes. I like it up here. But if I don't ever get down here sometimes, because down here's, and I know this is crazy, but down here's where I listen the most. Because that's where I need him the most. And I know that that sounds crazy, but when you're, when I'm up here, it's like, sometimes I, I shut it off because I'm, I feel good. And that's dumb. We shouldn't do that. And I get down in that valley again, and it's like, all right, God, I need to hear from you. I was watching this movie before I left. It's called The Hills. It's supposed to be, it's a Christian movie from what I understand. It's got a Dennis Quaid in it. And he's a preacher in this uh, this place. They The church basically fires him because he's standing in the pulpit and some guy sparks up a cigarette smoking in his church and some other, some old lady is chewing tobacco and spitting it in the floor trying to hit the can and she's missing. Well, he's had all he can, he's had all he can handle. So he finally stands up and says something about it. And everybody gets mad at him. I ain't going to let no preacher tell me what to do, yada, yada, yada. They end up firing the guy, right? So he's got his whole life packed up on top of his old car that's rusted out and fallen apart. Takes place in the 50s. And he's driving down the road. He runs out of gas. He has no money, has 
no food. He has nothing. He gets out. He kneels down by the side of the car and says, Jesus, I need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you. I need a sign. Show me a sign. Show me what to do, Jesus. I need you. Blows a tire. Just sitting there. The car's not even moving. Tire blows. He gets up. He starts kicking the car and just just going to town on it, you know, and just wailing on it and just kicking in the door. He's so mad. And then his little boy walks up next to him and you know how kids they come up to you and call you daddy or mommy it just melts your heart right so like the whole the scene kind of changes at that point they turn around and everybody gets out of the car and there's a storm blowing in and somebody says something about only god could create a painting like that the whole the whole thing changed it starts pouring on them they're getting rained on and they rush to the car. The, door, the doors won't open in the car. They're, they finally get in the car, and it's just pouring down rain. Then all of a sudden, a little old lady pulls up, rich family, rolls down the window, says, y'all need a ride? Gives them a ride. Long story short, which I haven't seen the whole movie yet, that was his sign because that family offered him a job at a church. we got to be ready for the moments that God moves. We've got to be ready for them to, to stand in unity when God starts to move and to not look back. Because there are times coming in this church where God is going to just move, and we don't want to be the one that hinders that movement. Amen? Whenever we're praying, God, show us what to do next. God, where, where's the direction that we're supposed to go? God, what are we supposed to do? We all got to be listening. Amen? We've all got to be listening for that time. So when the early church was starting, it took all of them. They gave all they had. They had money, time, land, gifts, spiritual gifts, and so on. So as the congregation did their part, the apostles were able to do their part. They were able to teach and do the things that, that, that was asked of them. Amen? So they all relied and trusted each other to work together. Did you hear that last part, though? They relied on each other, and they trusted each other. We got to be able to trust each other with each other. When I'm hurting and maybe there's one of you I want to talk to and not another one, you got to I got to trust that you won't share that information because it's personal and I'm confiding in you. We got to trust each other. It's not that we're keeping things from other people. It's just that the Lord told me to talk to you about this. We got to be willing to have that unity with each other. The result of what they did, you know what the result of what the early church did? Was 2,000 year old church still going on today. That's what they did. In that little bitty place, they all got together, they created a community, and from that community, it spread across the whole world. Because they came together, they unified in Christ. And they've been able to spread that gospel all over the world. They spread it to me and they spread it to you. And now we're spreading it to people on the internet. We're spreading it to people we come in contact with. And now we're building a church. All because of unity. That's what it was. You know, I bet Christ had to really teach them unity fishermen and tax collectors and people and zealots coming together do you think they got along at first that's why i love the chosen they're always fighting <laughs> over who's the best who's the greatest 
I can just see him always fighting, having no unity whatsoever. And here comes Jesus, and he has to teach. He's got three years, roughly, to teach them. But they finally got it right. And they built a church that's lasted over about 2,000 years. But what happens when someone or something wants to destroy that unity? What happens? Well, on a grand scale, you wind up with thousands of denominations and hundreds of cults. That's why we have all of that is because people come in and they destroy the unity. They had no unity in the church. They had no leadership in the church to stand up and say, no, sir, not in this house. And guess what? We're going to have to do that. We're going to have to stand up and say, no, that will not be allowed because that is against God's word. And we're going we're gonna to have people come harshly at us over that. I'm, I'm telling you that it's going to happen. I see it. I've seen it happen. Lies can cause division and division can kill unity. One lie can destroy this church. You understand that? One lie. And that's what I was trying to tell those kids the other day. We won't talk to I ain't, ain't going to bring that up right now. But that's what I was trying to get across to them is one lie or one misspoken word can destroy it. A whole thing that we're trying to accomplish. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a man named, and we're going to go to, oh boy, we're just going to go for a while, okay? <laughs> but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Who did he lie to? The Holy Spirit. Remember that. And to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. I bet you they did. I bet you somebody ran up to Peter. Hey, yo, Peter, I lied, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> please forgive. Please forgive me. I mean, that'll scare, that'll, that'll, that'll scare you, right? So the young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who buried your husband is, husband are at the door, and they will carry <clears throat> you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Can you see that as a church, we have to deal with and confront these things and sometimes people that are going to be a threat to the unity of our church? <coughs> see, the people of the early church knew what was expected of them. And those two chose to lie. What did that lie cost them? You see, that's how serious unity is. What would have happened? Let's just play. I don't want to say devil's advocate. That's terrible. But let's just think about what would have happened if that would have went unanswered. 
what would have happened to the early church immediately? You see, we have got to guard what God has given us. We've got to guard what God's given us. This is our church, right? I want a bigger church, and I want to guard that church, and so on and so on and so on. It's not going to stop. God's going to keep building us, and God's going to keep growing us, but it takes all of us working together in that unity. Amen? If that had been missed by the apostles, what if the church had never left Jerusalem? What if it just fizzled out? What if? What if? What if? A lot of what ifs. What if Next Level Freedom Church let some rogue person in here to teach and they were wrong and it caused division in the church? There was no more unity and the church fizzled out. Could have been a great church, but it chose to allow a lie. What if? Oh, well, that stuff's not going to happen. You're right. It ain't going to happen. We're not going to let it happen, church. We are not going to let it happen. My point is this. It doesn't take much to create division in the church and ultimately destroy your church. I'm almost done. It's going to be a one-week, Pastor Trenton. Next level, we could be the standard of unity in southeast Missouri. Think about that for a second. Right? No, look, I'm not I'm not putting glory on us, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not putting that on us. But what if we were the standard for unity? What if we come together with other churches and said, all we want to do is reach people for Jesus? And what if other churches that are like-minded said, well, that's all we want to do? And we said, well, you know, if we have a thousand people come, it'd be great if some of them came to our church, but that's not why we're here. And then the other church says, yeah, we just want to reach people. It'd be great if they stayed, but you think that's a church that we could get along with and could work with? What if we were the standard for Southeast Missouri because we loved people and we cared about people and we wasn't out to just get their money and we wasn't out to just get a butt in the seat, but we were out there to show them Jesus? What if that was the standard? Wouldn't that be great? Now, what if those two churches turned into four? What if those four churches turned into eight churches that were saying the same thing? And those eight churches turned into 16 churches in the area that were saying the exact same thing. How many people do you think are going to accept Christ? All because we want to share Jesus more than we want recognition. See, that's what we got to get away from is wanting to be recognized. And I'm not saying that we do here. I'm saying that... It, it's a thing that, that people deal with is wanting to be recognized. I'm the associate pastor. Everyone else, well, that guy and that guy and that guy, they're all beneath me. No, that's dumb. That's dumb. We are all on a level playing field. Now, there has to be leadership, 
God-appointed leadership. But that doesn't mean one's greater. It doesn't mean I'm greater than Louis or anything like that, okay? Walking in roles, walking in callings, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. We need to get unified as a church now while we're not huge. Look, I'm not, that's not disrespectful. We, from the moment I have came to Next Level Freedom Church, little, what, over two years, two and a half years, going almost three years, wow, be three years this year in April. I have watched God put every single puzzle piece in at the perfect time. From the time Devin joined to the time that Miss Lisa came, and from the well, when I came, and then when David showed up, just I have watched the leadership puzzle pieces fall perfectly into place, and I'm just like God, you got this. <laughs> I'm not worried. You've got this. He's doing something with this church. Unity needs to become a practice that we hold to, no matter the cost. That means that this thing that we have here is precious. Somebody off the street may walk in and say, what's so, what's so great? And then they, see us, they hear us worship. And then they get a word that night. Or they, get, you know, they, they, they hear the preaching that night. Or somebody might give them a word that night. Or some people may just gather around them and hug them and introduce themselves to them and ask who they are. Those are the things people are longing for. You realize that? People want to be acknowledged because they're tired of feeling like nobody. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. And they come in here and they don't feel that way. At least I hope they don't. I think we do a pretty good job. It starts here. Leaders respect and work together. Can we do that, leaders? Amen. I think we can. We don't have to agree on every little thing, but I think we can work together for the common good of building this church. Amen. Learn when to speak. This is a hard one for Pastor Brett at times, too. Hey, you know what? The last few years, God's worked with me on that because there's been times I've wanted to go, "Mm, I'll wait. (laughs) It's not the right time because you know what? When I got corrected that time years ago, it hurt. And I've never, I've still, I don't want to call it a, I don't know what I want to call it, but I still feel it. God's never let me forget that feeling, and I always remember that before I open my mouth. I try to. I've still failed. Learn when to speak and when to speak certain things in private with other leaders. There's times to say things, and there's times to keep your mouth shut until the appointed time to say it. Not everybody needs to know all the business all the time. Amen? Not everything is for everyone to hear. Some matters need to be handled in private. That's going to keep the unity in the church. Well, how is, how is hiding things? It's not hiding. It's not their business. Some things are the board's business. Something is the leadership's business. And some things are all of the church's business. And I will tell you this much. Most of the things that get discussed in board meetings wind up in front of the church anyway. It's a process of making sure we do the right thing. That's why we have order in the church. Not everything is for everyone to hear. Last two things and I'm done. Congregation, this is for all of us. 
Treat gossip like the plague. You don't want it. You don't want it. Sometimes we need to keep our opinions to ourselves. There's times and places to discuss things, and in front of the whole church is not when you need to say something. You need to guard your mouth. Think before you speak. Amen? Think before you speak. Because there's been times where I'm like, would that be offensive? Yeah, I probably shouldn't say that. Sometimes you got to think about it. You know why? Because we're in the flesh sometimes. You know, we, we walk around in this thing of flesh, and we have to deal with that. Use your brain that God gave you, but also use the discernment of the Holy Spirit. So, write that down. Treat gossip like the plague. And the last thing, let's work together. Whole church. Start bringing people into church if we can. Start inviting people if you're not inviting people. Most of the people I know and work with are so far away, they're like, nope. Those are the only people I see on a daily basis. Because it's a long drive. And I'm like, well, I do it, but it's whatever, you know, whatever. But some people ain't willing to. Invite people. Tell them about this place. Say, you will not believe what God did for me here. Or you won't believe, you know, these people love, and, you know, they'll love on you and treat you good. And people are looking for that. Because you know what? There's been churches where people have walked in in the wrong kind of clothes and got sent right out the door. You know that? That still happens. I come in tattered up, ripped jeans and shirt halfway hanging off on you. We're going to love on you. And we'll probably find you a shirt to wear if you need one. We'll do whatever it takes to make you feel welcome. Work together to build and to grow this church in unity, love, and respect. Amen. Amen. And I'm done, guys. Thank you so much to our online audience for tuning in. Next week, we're going to be talking about faith. So we're going to get into faith and what faith means for 2024. what we need to be doing, what we need to be holding on to. And so thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.